All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things that they go through. But today is not quite about couples. It's definitely about couples. It's about couples, but it's <laughs> it's definitely a different side of the couple thing. It's about parenting mostly. Yeah. And we brought in our favorite. She's the only person that gave us sanity going into Drew. Yes. Dr. Emily Oster is a prolific author, one of yes. my favorites. And I found so much encouragement in her book. She's written three now. One is called Expecting Better, all about mm -hmm. the data-driven uh, approach to pregnancy. Second is called Crib Sheet the data-driven approach to how to handle a newborn. Mm -hmm. And the third is uh, now The Family Firm, which is coming out August 3rd. And I love her style of writing. What she does is essentially study studies. So if the topic yes. is breastfeeding, she'll look at all the studies on breastfeeding and decide. You From know, every angle too, yeah, every yeah. side, every science, all of it. Yeah, and she'll kind of say, hey, this is what all of the studies aggregate. Ag how do you say that word? Wow, ag ag aggregated? Aggregated together say. This is like the conclusion of conclusions, yes. right? Yeah. Anyway, and her ins inspiration for writing this is not to psych you out and try to you know, have this really ice cold uh, approach to parenting. It's more inspiration. It's actually the opposite yeah. in trying to calm you down because Anna and I learned firsthand that when we got pregnant with Drew, people had such polarizing um, opinions and thoughts about how to do parenting how to make every decision, what whether to do something or not. It was always this right and wrong. And I don't want to say she debunks all of it, but she, she goes through every single decision and shows what the actual data proves, which is, it just, yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's the best book you could read. Yeah, Doc does a great job at making you feel confident as a parent that uh, you can do it and you're probably doing it well enough. Yes. You know? She has a great sense of humor. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you want to find out more about Dr. Emily Oster uh, and what she's up to, we'll link her information down below as well as links to her book, The Family Firm. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this one with Dr. Emily Oster. Dr. Emily Oster, it's good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're great. great. Excited to have you on. I don't know if you know this. We've only done one other solo interview, Doc, and that was with another professor, uh, oh, yeah. Carl Pillimer. Uh-huh. He wrote, uh, he's written some really good books, uh, right. like yourself, who's written amazing books. So you've written, walk us through, Crib Sheet, Expecting Better. Mm-hmm. And, and the now, new one's called The Family Farm. My gosh. Okay. Talk us through, I, I feel like it's a progression of pregnancy, newborns. And now, like elementary school years, right? Yeah, it is. So it really started, it's sort of like mapping my own journey. So the first book uh, came out, I wrote it while I was pregnant. A lot of it did a lot of the research while I was pregnant with my first kid. And then that came out when she was like two. And then I waited to have a second kid to write a second book so I could make sure that, you know, I kind of got the important stuff and not all the weird <laughs> stuff you got with the first kid. And so Crib She came out in 2019. And then The Family Firm is is about this next phase that I'm in now where the kids are in school and a lot of life is, you know, decisions you didn't necessarily expect, logistics, kind of how to shape your whole uh, your whole life, plus data about older kids. So it's a little it's a little journey. How do you describe your books as a whole? Like, what do you write about? How do you write? I write about using uh, data and decision-making in parenting. Um, So I write a lot about how we interpret data in around questions in parenting and how we think about correlation versus causality and the limits of evidence and what we can know and what we can't know. And then on top of that, I write about how we can use that data to make decisions that work for our families, recognizing that those are not always the same decisions for the same people and that the data is a big piece of it, but not always the whole piece. And I think Mm. part of what's happened as sort of over the course of the books is it's become more about kind of using the data to inform your own choices and combine with your preferences and less about like, okay, the data says, says this. And Mm -hmm. so that's like a little bit of a, a journey as you parent. I have to say, after Andrew did his first interview with you, we were pregnant with our daughter. It was that long ago. Yeah. And I remember he didn't stop talking about that interview for months. We were so terrified of having a newborn because so many people had so many very strong opinions of this is right and this is wrong. And as a new parent, especially like, as a spouse too, navigating that was terrifying. And he would just sit down and he'd be like, babe, you have no idea what she said. I feel so much better about just everything. And we would run through all of it. And it was just, yeah, it made, it made our life a lot easier. You're embarrassing me, babe. (laughs) I think that's so nice. (laughs) No, I mean, I do, I do think there is a sort of freedom almost in saying like, Hey, there's a lot of good choices. And I think Mm. that piece of crib sheet, which was kind of like, here's the evidence on this, but you know, Hey, actually in almost all of these situations, there really are a lot of good choices and reasonable people could do different things. And there's just a lot of freedom in that because that phase of parenting is so much 
of people telling you like, well, that's how I did it. Like you better, yeah. you know, you better get this piece of equipment or this, you know, do it like this because that's what I did. And if you don't do that, you're, I don't know, your kid will be a serial killer or whatever uh-huh. is like your big fear. Oh yeah. Uh, what is, okay. Talk about, you alluded to how the, the effect of the book has kind of progressed, but what, if you know me, you know, I love cereal. Our whole family does. And growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But now that I'm older, I know it's important to watch out for empty carbs and extra sugar. So I took a little break there from eating so much cereal. But now I've tried Magic Spoon. And Magic Spoon has classic flavors and the crunch you love. But it has way less sugar and it's high in protein. We love Magic Spoon in the East household. I always get the variety pack. It has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high protein, has zero grams of sugar. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. It's pretty wild to think a cereal can be high in protein and low-carb and still taste delicious, but it does. I love eating a bowl of the fruity flavor after a workout for some extra protein. And Sean here loves the cocoa flavor as a snack before bed. We think everyone should try Magic Spoon and taste the difference themselves. Go to magicspoon.com slash eastfam to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code eastfam at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason... They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash eastfam. And use our code eastfam to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. What is the effect that you want your books to have versus maybe what they have had in real life? <laughs> I mean, I I think that the the effects I would like the books to have are to make people feel more confident. Uh, I think that one of the most, one of the pieces of parenting I find the most difficult is how much, how anxious I am always about doing the right thing. And I hope that the books help other people be less anxious in some ways or feel just feel that they made the choice correctly. Uh, And a lot of the recognition for me in parenting, a lot of the loss of control, the sort of recognition of loss of control is realizing like, I can't, I can't control my kids do. I can, I can't control the outcome of every choice I make. I can control that. I made the choice in a way that made me, that made me feel confident about it or as confident as I could. And that's kind of a lot of what I'm, I'm hoping people get out of the books. Um, I think sometimes people, sometimes people get that. And then I think sometimes they get like more like, oh, thank you for the permission to like have a cup of coffee. And like, that's, that's okay yeah. too. Like, yeah. that's, that's a part of it. So in uh crib sheet, some of the information that you go over is how, you know, breastfeeding is not the end all be all <laughs> that it's okay to have some coffee. It's probably okay to like be, you know, to, to have some, some wine, you can, um, you know, do things like sharing a room, you could swaddle it, but, but a lot of these things you're like, okay, with breastfeeding, there's so much information where it's like, this is going to make your kid five times more intelligent. And if they're going to go to Harvard, if you do this, and if you bottle feed, you're going to destroy their future. And she, it is very interesting how you're just like, yeah, there, there might be some benefits, but at the end of the day, it, um, 
it's kind of stylistic and it's like your kid will be okay regardless, mm -hmm. which yeah. is so that good. All of those that first of all, many of those things are way over overstated or just really mm -hmm. don't show up in the data at all when you, when you kind of do it right. And then even the things where, you know, maybe it matters a little bit, the effects are, are small. So we're not, there's basically nothing is this is both reassuring and terrifying. There's kind of like nothing you can you can do that's really going to matter that much. You yeah. know, none yeah. of these individual decisions are like the decision that is going to make your kid, you know, go to Harvard or go, yeah. you know, win some gold medals or. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, I don't know. I, apparently, my parents did not raise me. In the right. Same no, way they didn't do it right. Did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this is. <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, I, I think we previously discussed, there was a piece of information. I was like so worried when we were pregnant with Drew about, gosh, I gotta like, I just need to load up on the information so that I don't make any wrong decisions. And, uh, your book was incredibly encouraging, uh, expecting better. And that's why it's like my most recommended book for anyone pregnant. And then also there's just this interview that I heard where you kind of come to realize that your job as a parent is just trying not to mess it up, you know, like just yeah. don't, as long as you're like supportive and you're there for them and you know, you, uh, you, your intention probably is like to love them, then you'll be okay, but just don't mess it up. So, and that means whatever, like, don't, I don't know. How do you, how do you mess up parenting, Emily? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> There's probably a lot of ways to, you know, a lot of ways yeah. to mess it up. I mean, I think part of this, part of the recognition is that like already taking it seriously, like that's, that's kind of a huge amount of the, of the battle and yeah. that you're loving your kid and being attentive and, you know, paying attention to them and wanting to do a good job. That's mm -hmm. kind of like a lot of the, that's a lot of the, the thing. And then all these individual things, you know, do I read to them for, 23 minutes every day or 15 minutes, you know, it's good to read to your kids. Like, do, you know, do you have to read for a set amount of time? And if you do it extra time, that's going to matter. And stuff. like, no, you know, these things are all um, sort of a part of a bigger picture, but by thinking about it, you're already kind of doing it. Yeah. I think that's one of the most comforting things though, about your data that you actually have compiled is I read every book, I read every article and it was like, okay, when your child is 18 months old, you're going to have to start doing this. And if you don't, then they're already eight months behind. Or if they don't have this exact many words that they're saying by 16.5 months, they're, they need to be with a speech therapist. And I feel like there were just so many specifics mm -hmm. where, and nobody backed up why I was like, well, but I didn't talk, you know, whatever, whatever the comparison was. And I turned out fine. I, I love how you compile all that data and you're like, actually, <laughs> that's range. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Everyone's different. And it's just, it's really comforting because people make such harsh and like specific statements that terrify you as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. There's like so much of an emphasis in a lot of these spaces on, on sort of saying like, well, here's the cutoff, you know, here's like the average, here's some like very specific number that you should be like achieving. Uh, and the recognition that like, Hey, that, that there's like a range, a lot of, you know, people turn out great with the whole range of these things. I think is, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it is comforting. 
So all, all of your books have been meta analysis, right? Yeah, it's so okay. So meta analysis is a formal thing, um, okay. which I oh. definitely if you were a if you were like a researcher and and you told some like real research people like this is a meta analysis, they'd be like, that's some lady's book. Um, but I think <laughs> is, what is true is that all the books are, um, you know, effectively like a, a kind of review. Um, where okay. I take existing literature and I sort of try to to compile it to draw some conclusion based on the on the literature. So in that sense, it is in the spirit of a meta analysis, but a meta analysis is like a very formal, different thing. But you do analyze like a bunch of different many, studies, many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies. Yes. Gosh. Why did you get started in this? So I got started when I was pregnant, um, and I was doing this kind of in the service of my own pregnancy and it's it's closely related to stuff that I do at work so it's sort of closely related to the kinds of questions and techniques that I use in my in my job and so it was a sort of natural step to to moving to to do that and I got sort of like very deeply obsessed with it um and then I realized that I really liked the challenge of trying to bring that kind of literature together and then communicate it out and that that's actually a very different skill than what I was doing at my job, where when you're a professor and you're writing for other academics, there is an assumption that everyone sort of understands the particular set of tools that you're using. There's something different about saying, okay, now I'm going to try to explain, yeah, I did this kind of like version of a meta analysis. How am I going to explain this to someone who doesn't spend all of their day, you know, reading meta analyses. Um, and I like that a lot. And that's the piece mm. of the, of the writing that I like the most. I think you're one of the best in the world at doing that <laughs> professor. Yes. So you, you've mentioned how like, you just want to have parents be more confident, but if there's anything I've learned over the past uh, year and a half of being a parent, and then also through the whole election cycle, it's like some people are just locked in on a certain uh, concept or style and I've real, I don't know if you've had any luck with telling someone to like, just chill out, dude. Uh, but it usually has the opposite effect. I feel like of chilling out, but how do you have, do you have any advice on persuading someone like, okay, I know you, th I know you think that, um, breastfeeding is the end all be all, but actually like, what is the, is there a persuasive process that you've had luck with? No. Um, okay. I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, just really like realistically, I think that in almost all these settings, if people are dug into something like this, mm. they're dug in. And, mm. you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's often not a place where coming back and arguing is that helpful, which is why I think the frame of a lot of the books is not like, here's evidence you can use to convince other people. But here's evidence you can use to make your decision and mm. then be comfortable with your decision. Mm. And then when someone comes to you and they're like, you know, why didn't you exclusively breastfeed until your kid was four? Like <laughs> everybody knows that's great for kids and that's how you get them to be a superhero. You can just be like, well, I chose not to do that and move on. That Not that you would be like, actually, that does not make any sense. And let me explain to you no. why. But just that you would feel like, I don't really need to engage with this discussion. Yeah. I'm just going to say thanks so much for your feelings. I'm moving on. <laughs> well, I, I'm just curious, you know, when that other person you're having a discussion with is the person you're parenting with. Yeah. That gets a little hairy, I feel like. Yeah, that's hairy. And I actually think a lot, <laughs> I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the work in the family, like the family firm has, you know, at the, at the end of it, like a lot of data on older kids and it's sort of 
thinking about schools and extracurriculars and the kinds of things you think about with bigger kids. But the first part of the book is really about family decision-making and about, you know, making big decisions and small decisions. And actually a big piece of that is the emphasis on the idea that making decisions in a more deliberate way is a way to lower conflict on these high intensity things that sometimes if we are, if we feel differently about something that's important, it can be a constant source of conflict. And I think sometimes with your partner, you're reluctant to really engage with like, okay, actually let's not just snipe at each other about this and, you know, have these short arguments. Let's really dig into what, why are we disagreeing about this and how can we make the decision that works for both of us? Because yeah, you can't like leave your partner at the playground and be like, okay, thanks so much for your feelings on that. (laughs) I'm just going to do what I want. Um, Talking about family firm, can you like tease the book for the listeners? Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of like the, the, the sort of third piece of the, of the trilogy. So it's um, it's got a lot of data discussion around schools um, extracurriculars, things like, you know, should my kid go to, what do we know about summer camp? You know, what Mm -hmm. do we know about sports, but what also, you know, what do we know about uh, food and sleep and kids learning to read and, you know, like sort of digging into the data on that. But the, the first part of the book is all about uh, this idea that I call like parenting deliberately and using tools from business. So using the idea of kind of structured decision-making and, um, and even some th- more basic stuff like Google Docs, like mm-hmm. to organize your family life and to, to structure the choices that you make so your life ends up looking like you, you want it. Um, mm. And the, the pitch is that if you do that deliberately, if you have a process for doing that, you can actually make those choices in a way that makes you happier and makes, you, um, makes your life work better. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft, and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. Is the comparison to a business-like structure limited in any sense when you when you are trying to translate that to the family realm? I mean, I just wrote a book about how you should run your household like a business, so I'm going to say no. No, <laughs> I think so. What I think is like, of of course, to some extent, but I think that what is true is that a lot of us operate our uh, our professional lives in a way that is very different than our personal lives, and we are very reluctant to bring any kind of sort of analytic decision-making frame to our decisions at home because they feel like they should be emotional. 
it feels like, well, I should just, I love these people. Like I should just be able to kind of let emotions rule at home and we should know what's right because we all like, we all love wow. each other. And, and that's, that's true that you all love each other, but it, it is not, it is not facilitating that love to not make your decisions correctly. And so I think mm -hmm. you can, you can use some of these tools to really make the house, like make your family work better. So you have more time for the things that you, that you care about. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things I suggest that people do in the book is that they, that they have everybody sit down and write down what they think their ideal day would look like. Like every, like, just like literally like write down on to every, you know, for Tuesdays, like, what do you want to do on Tuesdays for all the hours? Is it like, you know, and not like watch TV all day and, you know, but like, like in the, in the realm of reality, everybody says like, okay, I, you know, I want to be at work these hours. I want to be, you know, I want to be home these hours. I want to be doing with the kids these hours, like whatever it is that you write those down and then you compare them and you talk about them together. And you could say, well, like, why would we do that? Like, we should just all be like able to accommodate other people and be happy. But actually by structuring it like that, by really doing that exercise, you can surface things which maybe people aren't always thinking about. And that, then when they actually write it down, they think, okay, you know, I, on the weekends, like I want us to be doing an activity as a family every Sunday morning. I want us to go on a hike. I want to do something outside. I wanted to, and your idea is like, we should be doing competitive soccer tournaments every <laughs> Sunday. Okay. Well, we should talk about which of those we're doing because one of us is not going to get what we, what we want. And if what happens is we just default to one person's thing and we never talk about it, then somebody's going to be upset. And so I think mm. that's, that's a lot of the pitch is really thinking through this stuff so you can end up in a place that you're happier. Man, that is such valuable information, mm -hmm. Doc. Like, but I feel like the hardest part is actually knowing what you want a day to look like in some mm -hmm. sense. Like, I feel like as parents and kids, for sure, it's just like you kind of wake up, do what you've always done, and then and then you don't actually think about, I would actually, I would like to golf once a week, or I would like to uh, take a family hike. At least, you know what I'm saying? And this is actually constructing a vision for how you want your days to go is so difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think it is hard, but also like if you, if you're not doing that deliberately, then I think it is easy to go down a slippery slope where you get very far from your, from your mm -hmm. ideal. And I think part of why this book is sort of targeted around these kind of older kid ages is that your days start getting a little more structured right? Your sort of life gets a little more structured as your kids start going to school and like they have these serious? other things. I did. This is such good news, Doc. Doc, we need this. <laughs> it's going to get more structured. It's getting more, it's getting <laughs> okay. more structured. It's getting, you're getting there. That. You're getting there. It's Things not just going to be like a chaos of dirty diapers. <laughs> That's where we're life. at. Like eventually. Hey, ours is very structured. We've done a really good job. Well, it's just, I don't know. I don't know where we're at. I don't even. <laughs> okay. I don't even. Know. Okay. I'm not sure I know what my name is, but we're just here okay. doing it. So it gets a little, gets a little, like, a little more structured. <laughs> good. Yeah. What in like all of your research and finding all of your data for, I mean, truly every topic. Have you found that there are more polarizing topics than others? Yeah, I think that that anything, um, I mean, almost everything in parenting is really polarizing. I'm almost often surprised. I'll be like, well, no one could get polarized by this. And then they'll be like, oh, oh no, somebody does care. You know, people will be like, 
like what kind of sand is the right kind of sand in the sandbox? I'll be like, well, surely oh no gosh. one can get into this. And then people are like, did you know that sand kills people? No, I didn't Jeez. know that. <laughs> like, so there's mm -hmm. always somebody. Um, you know, but I think that the things that are most polarizing are uh, are the places where the where there is a lot of effort uh, that you are or or personal sacrifice that may go into the activity. So um, so I think this is part of why breastfeeding gets a sort of has a kind of complicated dynamic because choosing to breastfeed your child exclusively for a year or two years or however long, that's like a big time investment. Um, it's something that, you know, the, like, especially if you are working, but even if you're not, you know, the kind of like, I'm in my office pumping every two hours, not now, but like, I was like every two hours pumping in my office. I don't then want to be like, oh, well, I just did that for fun. Like there was no benefit for my kid. You know, like I, I kind of want to yeah. believe that. And I think that deals with that, that leads into some of these sort of more polarizing uh, topics for things that are easier. It's, it's easier to accept the idea that, you know, different people could do different, could do different stuff. Um, but when it's hard, that's where it, that's where it bites. I'm curious, were there any topics that you researched over the years that ended up with a, with an outcome that was different than what you believed? So I think one thing was on discipline. So I, um, you know, in, in crib sheet, we do, I write about toddler. I write about discipline for, for sort of kids. And I write a lot about this, um, this program one, two, three magic, which is kind of one of these programs with sort of warnings. And then something at the end, is it a timeout? Is it some, is it something else? Um, and I, prior to doing the research for the book, we had not had much of a discipline situation of any any sort going on and we had and I think what I hadn't recognized was that whether it's one of those programs or something else like the that there's a lot of support behind the idea of consistency in this kind of okay, space okay. that I had not like really put together okay so you're like what is your magic is is okay yeah we okay. just finished reading it from like recommendation of yeah of close people so we were both holding our breath. We're like, oh my gosh, this is a good thing. <laughs> like we're about to no, start it. No, it's we good. We, uh, yeah, it worked, it worked really well for my kids, actually. Um, okay. It worked, it worked well for my for my kids. My husband had some problem with like the particular like wording of the counting. So we switched it to be something else. But like the general principle is, is pretty flexible and works good. Wow. When it comes to you and your husband, though, with all of these different topics, I feel like the biggest... I don't want to say like issue that you that you find in parenting though is the different styles, and does your does your data help with you guys in um, overcoming those those different opinions, or does it sometimes hurt it? Um, I think it's. I mean, I think part of it is you know my husband is also an economist, so like oh. our our yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Okay. Uh, so I think we, we have a sort of data language that is, um, that is pretty comfortable, but I actually think more so than the data, the, the, for us, like interacting in a sort of like almost like more clinical way about some of these parenting mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. is really important. Like we spend a lot of, do a lot of our parenting discussion over email 
where it's like, let me, and he, I mean, he'll send me these emails that like, if people saw them, <laughs> would just be like, I can't believe you're, it'll be like, I just recapping our last meeting, you know, the following like bullet point items are on your plate and the following bullet point items are my, are on my plate. Like, you know, thanks very much. Let me know if there's any edits to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think if people so they'd be like what kind of weird like like who like who is this email from but uh, you know it's it for us that kind of formality um is has just turned out to be really valuable for um for making sure that we're on the same page in part because it's sometimes easy to be like well you you know like well we agreed on this like I said this and you're like well I didn't hear you say that you know, and so in some ways having it in email, it's like, we'll see it's bullet too. Mm -hmm. you know, is I think just has, has made our lives a little, um, a little easier, a little less. I think, I think that's so good. You mentioned processes earlier and, uh, I, I do appreciate having a, a business like uh, mindset when it comes to parenting, just because as, as I said earlier, like there's just, you only have so much energy and it's so easy to just fall into whatever like habits or t fall into turning on Netflix and not having discussions like this, but setting up processes and systems where you can have crucial conversations with your significant other about parenting so that, you know, it doesn't just all bundle up and explode at some point. Um, I think it's so good. So whether it's via email, Sean and I, a lot of times, like when we have an argument, one of our things is like, it's just better for us to apologize via text. I feel like, or, you yeah. know, we just kind of like spill our hearts out and say, I'm so sorry. Like whatever. That's just like one of our things. I don't know. Like, yeah. but it's so good. Whatever works for you, you just do it. And it's no, good and to I probably will... experiment too. And you know, the thing is you can get your kids in, into this also, um, when they get a little bigger. So my, my 10 year old is, um, where she's going to sleepaway camp this summer for the first time. And there's a really long list. And if you ever went to sleepaway camp, but apparently you have to send them like the entire contents of your house. So I have like a Google doc and where I have all of her, like this stuff. And so I shared it with her. And I was like, if you, if you like have any ideas about the, like, which of these things we need or whatever, like, let me, let me know. And then she sent me this extremely formal email that was like for the dress outfit, I was thinking of, and then she's like listing some following flows and it ends with like, please reach out if you think that that's okay. I mean, she's like, she was sort of, she knew she understood that it was funny, but yeah. it was also like the, like there was an undercurrent of like, okay, but I did share a Google doc with oh, you. Man. So, you know, that's, that's so amazing. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationship. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with the therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. Please one, one of the things that stuck with me from our first conversations was you mentioned like, you know, there's a high cost associated with most of these parenting things like you were speaking about with breastfeeding. 
I didn't really understand what you meant <laughs> until I started doing it. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, no, this is costly. Like parenting, you definitely time, you know, resources, freaking freedom, a lot of things <laughs> you're, you're sacrificing. And so I, I could see how there's such an interesting dynamic of, as your example of breastfeeding, like, oh, this is, I'm spending so much time doing this or pumping. And so I'm going to look at research that like encourages me in doing that. And then it's like this kind of, you know, snowballing effect. I am curious, parenting being such an opinionated space, do you just have like this, you know, like, I don't even know what, the, what is that word? The desire for self-inflicted pain to continue <laughs> to have these conversations yes. and engage with these books. No, it's, it's, it's true. And yeah, I think I have like a, like some, some, I think I, it's, I think it's that I have a very short memory because oh. when people yell at me, I always feel very bad. You know, mm. people are like, we don't like, you know, I always, Oh, I feel terrible, you know, but then, uh, then, you know, I just do it again. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, but like two days, you know, like I only feel yeah. bad for like a, like a second. I don't know. Yeah. Like a weird Good. denial thing. So Wh go ahead. Sorry. No, my bad. No, you're fine <laughs> with, I would say a majority of your data though, especially with like pregnancy for the most part, everything was debunked to a certain extent mm -hmm. where it's like, you're not going to be on one polarizing side or the other. It's pretty much just down the middle. Why, why is it then that people take such opposite sides. Yeah, I mean, I, I because if the science isn't there and the data isn't there, then then how did we get there? Yeah, I think it is, um, you know, sometimes it's that there's some piece of data and people sort of glom onto something that's like kind of flawed or is later debunked and they, they sort of don't want to move to move forward. I think that's one piece of it. Um, you know, I think the other piece of it is this is just a space where everybody really, really wants to do a good job mm. where like you really, really care mm. about being a successful parent. Uh, and it is hard. Um, it's, it's hard not to get just very engaged and animated about whatever is the choice that you made or whatever is the, is the thing that you, that you believe because underlying it is something that you care about, um, that you care about so much. And, you know, I mean, the other thing I write a lot about is like diet, um, and you know, what kinds of foods are healthy for you? Um, because it's part of what my research is about. And that's also a place which has a lot of the same kind of data problems and a lot of the same kinds of, you know, well, it doesn't really actually matter as much as people, as people think. And it, it isn't a place where people get as angry. So there are people who do disagree. There are people who think that, you know, dandelion greens are in fact like the font of youth and they don't like it when you don't, when you say that they're not, but those people, they don't feel that strongly about it. You know, it's mm -hmm. not the, the pushback that you get with parenting. And I think it's because people don't care in the same way they do about doing it right with their kids. Mm -hmm. Is it unsatisfactory for you as an economist or writer to have like in, in the family firm, firm, a lot of the summarized uh, data was like, yeah, it's probably helpful to do this, but the day, but it, do you wish it was just like a hundred percent, you got to sign your kid up for three X curriculars and like just something super clear as a solution. Do you wish? Yes. Some, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it would, I certainly wish that some of the things were like that. Um, so, cause sometimes I feel like when I'm writing, it's like, well, yeah. Kind of a little bit either way, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like in, in crib sheet, it was very nice that there was this one thing about like early allergens where I could be like, yes, 
that's something you should do. Like give your kids mm. peanuts when they're, when they're little. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's also like at, in, in my job, I spent so much time living with uncertainty, like sort of thinking yeah. about decision-making under uncertainty that, that, that is a very comfortable, uh, that is a very comfortable space. So in the books, I feel comfortable with it in my own parenting. I often wish that it was, mm -hmm. there were more concrete answers and I wasn't just flailing about, uh, mm. so frequently. Well, I, I feel like too, as a parent, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a concrete answer of if I do this, my kid will go to Harvard. Right. And when at the end of the day, it's backed by data saying, well, truly it, it's yeah. the, yeah. Then it, it makes it harder as a parent. Cause you're like, dang, yeah. I have to now decide which way we're going to go. And it's up to me. So I, I understand why people try to find their side, but it's it's refreshing knowing it's for the most part down the middle. One thing I do love about your writing style, though, is uh, it's kind of like a reference manual. It's like, you know, oh, here's the here's a study on extra, extracurricular activities. Let me just flip to that and like remind myself what the data says yeah. or breastfeeding. And it's it's good how you you know broke it up like that. It's it's helpful when you're actually in the moment of trying to make a decision family firm there you go yeah you know people sometimes ask like what's the right way to read the book and i think particularly for crib sheet and family firm you know with expecting better i think a lot of people just sort of read it through during their you know when they're when they're pregnant but i think for the other two there's like yeah maybe it's a good idea to read it through once but you know mo like some of these decisions particularly with older kids like you're not probably thinking about summer camp right now but eventually you might be thinking about it and when you you know there's a chapter for that like when you when you do get there mm. so is summer camp a good thing yeah, basically. I mean, you know, right. it's like, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. I think yeah. the thing about things like some, like summer camp is it's, um, it can be a very good, uh, social support, um, particularly if kids are sort of struggling in some way, I think there's no, there's no particular downside, but kind of when we see the upsides, it's, it's largely around things like when kids have, um, have some social struggle or some kind of like lack of happiness, socio-emotional happiness in school that this is like a different social environment to put them in look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to download the new Bumble now. So you'll be, I'm sure, pumped to hear that we uh, got some parenting advice from a TikTok account. Nice. We're not, we're not playing. <laughs> what? They said never put your kid in a sleepover at another kid's house. Oh, yeah. Because what happens? No, no, no. They didn't <laughs> they, give us no the reason. follow up. That was it. Huh. It was like a child psychiatrist <laughs> who said a child of any age should never go to a sleepover. Period. <laughs> no, that was it. We're not <laughs> saying that's. We're not. We're not even challenging. You're, we're just saying that it's so interesting. I don't even cover sleepovers. Um, I, I this, huh? I yeah. guess I, I. It's hard with that level of data engagement. It is difficult <laughs> to to evaluate that statement because I'm not sure. Yeah. What they're worried about. Yeah. Huh. Who knows? They I didn't have let my us. kid. I one time did let my kid have a sleepover. It was fine. 
Wow. Yeah. They're okay. I mean, it's I mean, so far, I don't great. know. I'm not sure what I'm looking for. Sean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I discussed this. We were like, all right, for sure we're letting our kids sleep over. I yeah. feel like it was an integral part to my upbringing. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That, that's a new one for you to, to research. To look into, like. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today on Instagram, um, somebody asked me if I'm pregnant, can I touch a goat? So this is not the most unusual question I've had. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Do you have more of those? More questions like that? Like that the was the, weird? That was the, yeah, I mean, that was the most unusual one this morning. <laughs> that's for, th- th- this, this morning. morning. <laughs> um, I, if you don't mind me asking, I think it would be, I'd be curious since you and your husband both are economists. Mm. And you run off of data for the most part. Has there been with parenting a a big discrepancy in any certain topic? Um, that you guys have had to kind of work through or been like, let's go research some more, and then we'll come back to the table. Not to get too personal or anything. <laughs> yeah, Doc, no, I'm, but, I'm, you know. I'm, <laughs> um, you know, I think there are. Um, Things I'm trying to think about whether there's so, sort of big things that we uh, that we that we disagree about. Mm. Well, that's good. Probably, yeah. Like, probably. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, probably not. Um, you know, I think that uh, that the places we have we had the most conflict were early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the kids were, when, particularly in the first year of my daughter's life, you know, that was really a very, yeah. This is good news again, Doc. Jeez, this is freaking great. Keep slinging these encouragement. I love I think, it. <laughs> I think the first, yeah, I mean, I think we found, I found the first year hard and I think that he did too. And I think it was also like, we weren't quite expecting how many decisions there would be to make and how unexpected some of them would be and, and how quickly we would feel like we need to make them. I think we are, we are like as a couple much more comfortable in this sort of slightly slower decision-making process that comes with older kids where you have a little Mm -hmm. more time to be like, okay, you know, here's an issue we're facing. Let's talk about how to work through it. Like, let's, you know, make some, some decisions when you have like a, you're like the baby didn't sleep all day because I thought that we should try to put her in the crib and you decide, thought we should keep her in the, whatever other thing we were having her sleep in. And then, you know, it's like, it's your fault that she's cranky. And like th- that, those are the moments where we had the most conflict. Mm. Yeah. T- tell us where we can buy a family firm. Yes. Uh, you can buy it wherever they sell books, I hope. Um, but you know, uh, you can find it. Uh, on Amazon or on IndieBound or Barnes & Noble. Penguin Press is the publisher. Anywhere. Comes out August 3rd. August 3rd. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I'm excited for this. I, well, I've read all of the books. I'm excited for the next sequence in this. I don't know what it'll be. Like, I don't know what's next. What's the next stage in parenting? Elementary teenage I years? Teenagers? Teenagers? I don't that know. I feel like luck. that is probably I, my biggest fear. Yeah, me too. So that's why I, yeah. like, I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Whatever that sound was, I think. I I think you're make talking about social media, hormones, opinions. Does your 10-year-old have a phone? Uh, no, not a... Uh, well, so this actually, the book ends with like, when should you get your credit phone? 
Um, so my 10 year old, we have like a dummy phone, um, because sometimes she walks to the library by herself. Um, and it's kind of far. And so we wanted her to have a phone for that. She doesn't like use it for anything except we charge it when she's going to go to the library. I like that. She just goes to the library and, and reads. She takes out books. You can't stay in the library because of the coronavirus. Oh, interesting. Wow. Maybe a future. You can comments. go there, but you can't. You can stay go there. there and get the books, but you can't stay. <laughs> you can go walk around, touch walk all around the books you want. That's right. But you gotta leave. Yeah. You gotta leave. You gotta go away. Um, yeah, teenagers scare me. Teenagers, I don't even want to think about our daughter being a teenager. There's too many things. Yeah. No, I, would she's gonna, I feel like they're skating. gonna hate. They're gonna hate us. You know, like. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I think it's good to have two kids. Because then when the one of them hates you, maybe the other one doesn't hate you right <laughs> yeah. that moment. Hedge your bets yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm banking on Drew, our daughter, will just choose him. And then our son will choose me. I'm right. one of them. I that got a 50 shot. I think that's kind of, you know, I think our, that's, that's about where we, where we, where we are on our kids. <laughs> yes. All right. So just small ask here. What's the one piece of silver <laughs> silver bullet parenting advice that you can give us? It's just a phase. Yes. I like that. We actually say that a lot. We've just now come to that realization. Expand. It's just that most almost everything will pass and it will Dang. it is very uh like ang- it is very anxious in in the moment or seems very important in the moment or like it will last forever. But almost every phase of parenting, particularly this early stuff, you know, you, you like wait a little bit that will, that will pass. Dang. I That's like that. deep. Yeah. That's deep. I, and, and it, one thing I've been thinking about is how I feel like my mindset is okay. Just get drew to the next phase. And then whatever, like you, there's for some reason, even in my mind, like, oh, as soon as she's out of the house, like I'm done as a parent. I don't know why, like that's just a built in, but it's not the case. That's that's not true at all. Yeah, it's not true. You're stuck. No, well, I've been challenging. If you you think about, okay, she's going to be 18 and then we'll probably, I don't know, we live to be 85 statistically maybe. And so we'll have like 40 years together when she's an adult and out of the house. It's like, how can I build my parenting to, to get to that point of like us having this healthy adult life together. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it was, I mean, I think that's, I think about that a lot also actually is sort of like mm-hmm. how particularly as the kids have gotten older, like how do I make this into a relationship that is going yeah. to like, that we are going to have as, as adults. And, you know, as they get to be able to talk and they get old, you sort of start to see the pictures of that and see the things that the, your kids are good at and the things that you, um, that you want to help them work mm. through and, and just, I don't know, how do you kind of support them? And so you can have a relationship as adults. Yeah. Yeah. I heard an analogy to parenting as like, it's just kind of like a treasure hunt where you're kind of just holding your kid's hand and trying to figure out like where, mm-hmm. what's going to be discovered next, like what skill or what interests they're going to find. Do you agree with that analogy or? Yeah, I one? like, I actually like that analogy a lot because I think that there is sometimes a, a temptation, particularly I, I have the temptation of sort of trying to like make my kids be good at the things that I'm good at or do mm-hmm. the things that I 
that I care about or that I think are are important. Um, and in you know, and actually, my son is much more like me in terms of like the the kind of ways he wants to the things he likes to do. And my daughter is is sort of somewhat less like me. And so there's been a little bit of a of a sort of process of of kind of figuring out how I can make sure that I am valuing the stuff that she is good at and that she likes to do like as much as possible. Mm. Another small question for you, sarcastically. What, what are your hopes and dreams for your children? I think just that they would, that they will be happy. I mean, I think that's that they will find some, that they will find something that they love in their life that they love to, to do. I mean, I think for me, liking my job, uh, is actually a big piece of like me being happy is, is kind of having the thing that I do every day be something that brings me joy. Um, and I don't really care what that is for my kids, but I would like them to have something like that. Um, and you know, and then I think also that they will find a person that they, that they like to, to be with. Um, so those are, yeah, it's small. They're just small things. A job you love and a spouse that you like, that's it. Spouse. Not, not even that you love. Somebody who's like not awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, Doc, uh, such a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate all the wisdom that you shared with us today and also that you've shared in your books. We will link information on the family firm down below. And uh, yeah. Appreciate you spending time with us as we approach the meltdown phase of pregnancy yeah, here. Yeah. Things are just really about to fall off the rails. And mm -hmm. so thanks great. for being a part of that. Yeah, good, <laughs> yeah. good luck. I will say I found the initial transition with number two much easier than with number one. So I'm hoping Yay. That for you as well. Dang, actually, that's a third piece of encouragement, Doc. Yeah, Thank you. you. I will also say that sounds, it sounds bad to say this, but also it makes me really happy. You're the first person to say that to us. Huh. Yeah. Which I love. I'm going to hang on to that and be like, yeah. she's the professional. She knows. <laughs> no, I will say I found like my life before Penelope was like, like totally different. And so then when she came, it was like, we had to have a whole different life. When we had Finn, it was like, we already had this life surrounding like having a kid and being, and so we sort of like slotted him in and it was, it was just a much more, like it was a much easier transition. I'm gonna hang on to that because hang on to it. Hang on to it. Everyone else is like, oh geez. It's twelve more than twice the work. I didn't think that. You're playing man coverage now, man. Like whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway, hey Doc, thank you so much. Thank you guys. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... 
you'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.